Welcome to Renewal, the podcast. I'm your host, Lawson Hannaford. Uh, This is season one of our podcast, looking at renewal and how the gospel of Jesus Christ changes lives from the inside out, from the local church to the community, to our cities and to the greater world. We're looking at the history of uh, revivals. We're looking at the biblical view of revivals and how it starts here and now with us as God's Welcome to Renewal the Podcast, Season 1, Episode 5. I'm really glad to be with uh, Ollie Van Ruth, who is an emergent uh, church planter, uh, someone who's been serving God in various ways for many years, and uh, we'll have him as a guest on the show today. As we continue to explore, uh, I guess, what is renewal, but also how it impacts people's lives. Uh, And I really want to dig in deep to something... um, some aspects of Ollie's ministry, which I've been actually encouraged by, uh, but also some aspects of uh, his heart for what God can do uh, and what that might look like into the future. So, Ollie, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you here, mate. Thanks for having me. That's good. So, um, I guess one of the things, mate, that I've been thinking through as we've been working through the topic of renewal in this podcast is, well, what does that look like in other people's lives? I talked a bit about my own experience, both in... I didn't really, I guess I briefly mentioned how I've came to faith, but I mentioned that things that took me from where I uh, was at to having an awareness that actually renewal is something that God wants to do in the world in a much bigger picture that even we have. Mm. Uh, and so I want to, I guess, hear from you what your, like how you came to an awareness of this. But before, I guess before that, we need a bit of background on you. Yeah, so, sure. like, tell me a bit, um, give us the highlights, like uh, yourself, family, and after that, we might dig into how you came to faith and then sort of journey on to your first experience of renewal. Yeah, yeah, no, thanks. Uh, married to Meg, uh, she's awesome. We met in 2016. I uh, got married in 2017. Come it on, a, it was a quick, uh, quick engagement. Uh, when you know, you know. They say. Yeah, that's right. Uh, she was a she was from Adelaide but she was living in Sydney at the time so we did a bit of long distance and yeah. I was pretty popular with her parents bringing her their daughter home so uh, it was great uh, we we sort of met dated got married we've got two kids okay. Ned and Grace and they are a handful of fun and energy yep. and uh, talk they love they love uh, Grace has this one volume and so it's uh, 5:30 a.m. and she's like Let's play. Like she's just. Is that why you named her Grace? Just yeah. in advance. You, 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 you <laughs> it know, reminds us. That's right. You, yeah, Grace. You, I yeah, yeah. Grace. Lord. Grace. Yeah. Grace. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Grace. That's right. Come on. Five a.m. Grace. <laughs> yeah. So that's us. Uh, I've been uh, a bit of a journey. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, so I went and did some law at uni. Dropped out pretty quick to do history. That was my passion. Loved. Yeah. yeah. Love learning. Love studying. Love reading. Uh, after uni. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Went into uh, teaching. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we may get into this later, but really had a, a call of the Lord. I think my spirit was just so restless until mm. um, led us to a journey into ministry and youth ministry particularly. Uh, so I've been serving as a youth pastor and then more recently as a young adult pastor leading a evening congregation. And that's been quite a, uh, a learning curve, particularly out of a pandemic. And Yeah. Um, but that sort of led me to where I am now. Right. Uh, so that's, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I guess when we talk about renewal, we're not just talking about, uh, you know, coming to faith. We're talking about coming to the heart of the gospel because mm. renew- you're renewing something. Mm. So you're actually coming back to what God has already yeah, done. Yeah. And so there is a sense in which this comes out of a work of salvation and it's an, an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. Uh I'd love you to share uh, how you came to faith. Yeah. And I guess your reflections on that, however, yeah. however many years later. Yeah. So, uh, probably some significant moments for me was uh, growing up, going to youth group, St. Matt's. I know you were a leader back then. Um, so, that's how we kind of know each other. Uh, the Be pushing 20 years now, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're not that old, are you? I am. Yeah. I, I, I am that old. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, mean, I think it was 2008. 
or maybe early 2007, 2007 youth camp. Um, we were down at El Shaddai, I think, something like that. Well, I, I, I remember. I, I was there back in 2002. Yeah, yeah, right. Was that before your time? Well, I reckon you then did a bit of leadership. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, so I remember Sam Bleavy preaching on the cross and I think that was a moment for me as a 13, 14-year-old where I, I sort of knew all this stuff, knew about Jesus, that he died you know, for people and for me, and but it was a lot of head knowledge. And then I think I started to have some conviction over my sin. Okay. And, you know, as a 14-year-old curious, uh, looking into things and uh, movies and all the kind of stuff, lusting, that was my heart, I think, exposed. And understanding that that was probably a pivotal moment. It wasn't like a, a massive, like, revival moment, renewal moment for me, but I think it was a turning point, whereas I saw, I think the spirit started to bring conviction Jesus had to die because mm. of my sinfulness, my separation from God. Yeah. Um, so I, it went from theoretical to personal. Yeah, and I think I had a very, very high view of myself. And uh, mm. as a third child, chronic attention seeker, so I wanted people to see me and know me and look how good I am. Yes. And, and I think there was a, a realisation where I sort of started to consider that I'm not so flash. That then led me, I remember a bunch of you guys, uh, Joel Zerner, Yourself, said, let's come on, see camp. God's doing some stuff there. It's great. So I, was, I think about year 10 was the first time I went. And I remember just being so, uh, my eyes were just so open to how big God was. Mm. Like not just our little pocket and our little church, mm. um, but that people really believed this stuff. And they were really passionate about this stuff. They had conviction and, um, and a love for the Lord. And it was just, there wasn't one thing. It wasn't like, oh, you're from this denomination and you've got it. It was like, that wasn't it. And I think I'd sort of grown up in a tribe where it was like, oh, we've got the monopoly of the gospel um, because, you know, we teach the Bible and, and I'm proud of a lot of the Bible teaching we have, but it was the sense of that wasn't the distinguishing factor what denomination you were from. It was this moment of realisation where people believed in Jesus and they loved him mm. and it had, uh, had their lives changed. They surrendered to him. You know, um, that is very interesting because when I came to faith and was actually exposed to Christians at a youth group and I walked away from God and totally mm. rejected it, uh, Christianity, even though I'd grown up, my dad was a minister. So mm. I'd grown up in this and then mm. just totally walked away. I remember the thing that struck me and actually brought me under conviction was I was hanging around Christians who really believed mm. in Jesus mm. and it changed them. And I was like, I know the same stuff as them, yeah. yet I'm not the same as yeah. them. Yeah. And that, that just actually got into my heart and was one of the things that got used to bring me to, I mm. guess, mm. Uh, humble myself before God and cry out for salvation, mm. literally. Mm. Yeah. I'll, I remember there was one night and there was uh, before bed, um, the leaders would get up and do a, a, a devo. I remember this guy, Ben Wilson. Do you remember Ben Wilson? I... I um, Remember him too well. But, yeah. but, but, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out to Ben Wilson, by the way. Um, yeah. Just, uh, just we got to, we got to work on the Christian speak. What's a devo? Oh, a devo, a, a devotional. Yeah, come on. Um, and so they would just go for it. I remember him getting up and sort of just speaking to how he was speaking on porn and lust and how that was just a violation of God's um, vision for us, particularly as men, and we needed to confront our sin and. Mm. I, as a, I think I was like 15 and I didn't think my sin was that bad, but I knew it was there. And I like, I didn't want to admit that I was, uh, you know, that I was, this was something I was struggling with or doing or, um, yeah, no one wants to be the porn guy. Yeah, exactly. Well, I just thought I was the only one. And mm. I, and mm. I remember being so humbled because there was this invitation to come and pray and, and repent of your sin and, and yep. let's support each other. And yep. it was just, um, Nothing special to it, but they just created space for it. And space I, for repentance. Yeah, and these guys were expectant. And mm. I remember mm. being like, that's me, I've got to get up, but I can't. i just totally paralysed. And then suddenly I see my best mate get up. And then my brother get up. And I'm thinking, what on it? And then just a stream of guys thinking that they were just broken over their sin. And in that moment, I need to be there. So I too went with them. I remember praying with a group of guys and we were just confessing mm. and just this mm. brokenness and 
um, yeah, God was just breaking in. I remember then going to bed that night, just having this like, just this flood of relief of, and I think it was God's love poured out into my heart. And um, his wife, bro. Yeah. That was a changing moment. And I continued to see God work. And I had a hunger then to see God work in such a way that, hey, this is so real. And so like when God, when Jesus said that he's come to bring the fullness of life, to believe him and to worship him for it. And so I love camps, love camp ministry, love C camp, been involved with that. Um, directed for six years and it's just one of the greatest privileges I've had mm. I remember one guy one year I was one of his leaders same kind of situation where we had this expectancy had got to pray for him and he confessed his sin and I remember he was sort of floating away from church he was in our youth group but he'd kind of checked out and then uh, his mum well, had paid for him to come to sea camp forced him to go he was dreading coming good on mum um, I know, but he, he came and he came with his friend and, again, God just gripped these guys. Mm. And I'll mm. never, like, just weeping over their sin and, and but then being so joyful in their salvation to then, the, I remember the next Sunday they were there at church and then the next Sunday and, and clearly God had done a 180. Mm. And then I remember about, it was about three or four years later, this guy is now a leader and um, he comes to me after a small group because he said, oh, I had these guys in my group and there was an opportunity during a session to, you know, put up, come up the front and these guys, you know, he just had the maturity to say, hey, you don't have to do it in that moment. He's like, if you guys want to come to the Lord and, and uh, get saved, you know, he, I can't remember how he did it, but he, two, he led two guys to the Lord in his group and he comes to me and I just had this, oh my, like God has done this and this legacy mm-hmm. of, you know, Ben had, had prayed for me. I was able to pray for Tom. Tom was then able to pray for these guys. Just a legacy of generations, and and that's that's what I want to be about. Renewal that is, uh, you know, it's viral and it goes for generations, and it, and it breaks out, and and God grows and births His church mm. and rebirths His church. You know mm. that idea mm. of renewal. So that's been a p- pivotal moment for me. That place of anticipation, expectancy, unity around the gospel, and that's what I love. Is, yeah. is diverse you know, backgrounds, people, churches, and then a real authenticity of like we're this is no masks. We're not pretending to be anyone else, but let's yeah, it's No masks is very ironic during a pandemic. Yeah, come on. Isn't, isn't <laughs> it? Well but that is a I think a true metaphor. Mm. You even feel it just being in, in public. You can't see people's mm. like mm. what they're really mm. thinking. You look yeah. in their eyes and they say the eyes the gateway to the soul, but you can only read so much from yeah. the eyes. Yeah. And when people literally have a mask on you feel like you're not getting who they are and then they take it off and they sit down and have a drink. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. like, like there's a sense of there's a realness here. Yeah. But you're talking about that in a spiritual sense. Yeah, yeah. It take, takes, a, takes a lot of courage. Um, but when, when you see it, it's so beautiful. And when the spirit, I think something spirit does too is he, there's walls of our hearts, there's layers to our souls that we actually uncover that there's these deep-seated uh, 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 sins and, and parts of us a flesh i guess that god wants to touch and uh, what do you think the masks are that people wear good question like because you you're mm. talking about particularly young men mm. which is mm. interesting because young men typically are the least likely to be christians mm. you're talking about young men being changed yeah you know, by the power of god believing the gospel and yet there's a process in which they are being totally honest and real. Mm, but but, mm. but, but what's, what's the mm. barrier before that? Mm. What's holding them back? Because yeah. I mean, you went through this yourself. Well, right? that's what I was going to start with is m- let me speak to what my mask is and or was and is, uh, is a sense of trying to prove something of myself, that I, that I need to prove myself to be someone, someone unworthy. And so um, I can't show any weakness because you know then someone will have an opinion of me and that's still a wrestle that I have of an idol of approval and trying to yeah prove myself before people um because what's the fear if we show weakness people won't love me yeah yeah and reject us yeah we'll be rejected um and also I think I won't amount to anything uh Mm. that I don't um that I'm not worth anything. So fear is a big driver. Yeah. I think p- but it's part a particular of that is, fear. And there's a shame there too. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's like we're not proud of who we are and what we thought, what we've done. Um, 
And on the other hand, there's this, there, I think there can be a mask of, uh, well, maybe, maybe we don't see our own mask of we, we've got it all c- together. Well, you cover your fear with pride. I mean, yeah. I mean the, the, they, people talk about the, the most proud people, the most insecure mm. Mm. because you overcompensate. You sort of go the other way. Mm. And so when, when you have a moment where you actually you know, your sin is laid bare, like the pornography lust element, and you actually it's confronted, mm. you have to literally admit that you know you've sinned mm. before a holy God. Mm. You're accountable to Him, but not only that, He's the only one that can cleanse you of that sin. Mm. Mm. Through the work of Jesus, so this is where the like the gospel goes from being a theoretical yes, yes. church thing around ceremony mm. and around tradition mm. to being personal mm. and real, because mm. you're actually confronted with a holy God who yeah. calls for repentance. Yeah, and I'd say as well the difference between knowledge and and heart knowledge, because. I feel like in some traditions we can have a very strong focus on getting our doctrine right. Yeah. Uh, and so then discipleship becomes purely you need, to, you need to know these things rather than actually in a lived experience of how does, that, how does God's word act and these doctrines, which are good, actually come to bear on our, the way we see the world, like a reality, our, our, the, the, the eyes that we look through and, and the, the way we... Um, who we are is shaped by this and how we um, then live. Well, if, if you are right doctrine only, mm. then you it forces you to have to prove that to others. And the way that you prove that to others is by, you know, expressing it in tangible way. So you know the right things, mm. you mm. do the right things. Mm. Effectively, you turn into the Pharisee of um, Luke 18. Yeah, yeah. Who sits at the front yeah. and, and tells God how good he is. Yeah. And how glad he is that he's not like all yeah. uh, the tax yeah. collectors and the unjust and the adulterers and yeah, everyone else. Right. Yeah. And so he's essentially saying, God, you must accept me because of my goodness. And then you've got the tax collector back who won't even look up to God mm. and beats his chest and says, have mm. mercy on me, God, for I am a sinner. Yeah. And Jesus said the, the humble guy at yes. the back went home justified. Yes. Mm. Mm. So you have... You, like you've clearly experienced this for yourself in terms of uh, coming to faith and then these particular experiences that you've had mm. over the years in a group setting with a call to repentance, with space to come before a holy God mm. and, and a clear gospel that says, you know, like it, the word says in uh, 1 John 1, if you can... If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive Mm. us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you're actually receiving that. You've spoken of feeling a flood of grace and the love of God put out into your heart. Um, Just while I think of it, Martin Lloyd-Jones talks about that and he says that is the sense of being baptised in the spirit is that it comes upon you Mm. in a fresh and new way because he says that that is a reality for every Christian, right? You have, and it's actually past tense in the text, the love of God has already been poured out into your heart by the Holy Spirit. Mm. But are you aware of that? And to the degree that you're aware of what Christ has done yeah, yeah. is to the degree which you're changed by experientially. Mm. And that's Paul's prayer, isn't it, in Ephesians? Like, Come on. He prays yeah. that their eyes may be enlightened to the hope and mm. the glory of God and the power you know, raise Christ is in us. And then later in his prayer in chapter 3, where he prays that we would have power to grasp his love. Like that's, that's, that's the prayer. This is the calling out that this would be the way that we see the world, the, which is the true reality. That's the thing. That this is what is real, is Christ on the throne. But the prayer is that our eyes would be open to it and the spirit would give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation yeah. that we yeah. would see it. There's an oddness, though, because you're praying that God would grow your experience of him. Mm. Like, it's an odd thing because only the spirit can produce that desire to know more of God. Yeah, yeah. 
So he's doing it at every angle. Mm. And he invites us into it. Mm. And so as we're stirred to know more of God, we actually have to ask him that he would do it. And it's, I mean, these beautiful prayers of Paul, I mean, he says the same thing in, in chapter 3, doesn't he? Mm. You know, the height, the width, the yeah, breadth and yeah. the depth of the love of God. Like he sort of brings yeah. us yeah. into it in Ephesians. Mm. And, but he, it's, it's not self-developed. It's actually coming to God for more. Mm. Mm. And that's really the heart of renewal, isn't yeah. it? And, and it's actually going beyond even a mental ascent because you need to know certain things, of course, mm. but you actually have to experience them. And that's why Paul's prayers... Throughout the whole New Testament, particularly in the book of Ephesians, are like mind blowing because Paul's like more experiential than we dare to be. Yeah. And he actually asks God in such a daring, bold way. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, I love that word that um, is used in the King James Bible, um, talks about the importunate widow. In the importunity yeah. of, of the widow who comes to the unrighteous judge asking for justice. Mm. And Jesus using this as a, as a parable yeah. uh, to explain you know, how much God wants mm. to, to bless us and for us to know him deeply and to answer our prayers. Mm. And he says if, you know, if, if a woman looking, a widow looking for justice will you know, harass an unrighteous judge and if an unrighteous judge will eventually you know, submit to her Importunity. How much more will your heavenly Father, who loves you, mm. do that for you who are importunate? With that idea of just harassment is the wrong word, <laughs> but a a bold approach before a holy God. Mm. And there's only one way we can approach with boldness a holy God. It's in the name of Christ. That's right. Because yeah. we have no access otherwise. Yeah. And so when you're really believing that that's true, mm. and you're coming like with a genuine heartful thing. That's where God reaches in and he grabs people yeah. and, and flips their life yeah. upside down and brings them on fire for him mm. and to bring mm. like change to the world mm. and fire to the world. This is yeah. catching fire to the world. Yeah. Now I want to go to, because um, you shared this with me just when we've caught up in the past, yeah. a particular experience because you went from going to these camps, you said these camps have been particularly important, and it seems the interesting dynamics is there's preaching at camps, there's corporate prayer at camps, and there's an openness and room to repent and expectancy. Now, those things I think are really key, those mm, principles. Mm. But you went from being, participating in these, uh, this particular interdenominational camp to leading it. Mm. Tell me about uh, the experience that you had with thought, actually, this is something that I want to give my life to. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I remember there was a moment where uh, there was one camp where we had some kids uh, with a bit of the uh, bit of the squirty butts, the, the gastro. and uh, The squirty butts. I apologise. Um, that's... That, 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 that word <laughs> is not, not going up, up in the, uh, the tagline for this <laughs> podcast. But, but, um, oh man, it yeah, was spiritual we'll remember warfare. That let one. me tell you. Oh, wow. But uh, to the oh, he had an incredible team, and I will never forget. One night, um, we mobilized the leadership team with disinfectant, washed and wiped every chair in the auditorium. Like it was just this. And this is like twelve a.m. I remember we were praying as a group over one of the services we were going to have. That, like we had a bit of a meeting. This is late at night after all the kids had gone to bed. We're praying. And uh, we, we finished praying, we look behind us and there's these faithful servants cleaning. So this is the context of a camp that was just really, really hard. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, and, a gastro outbreak. I know. And as a director, I'm just like, this, this thing will shut us down if we don't get this under control. Yeah. And so God's grace, we did. We, we you know, did the whole, this is before all the quarantine. And I was going to say, that this wouldn't fly now. It, it prepared us so you well. You just make it up as you go along back then. 2020, God, you know, we, we were prepared for this. We already had a bunch of stuff in place. And um, we had a song created for how to wash your hands. Like we, it I was already it. there. But the context of this is I remember we're so weary. And I remember this, we had our, thing, had our auditorium in the gym. And I was standing on the, the top level and we had this sharing night. And I remember sharing nights always a bit for the director is a bit of a, uh, a tense and stressful situation because sometimes the people share things that trigger things. And, and it just could always be like, all right, okay, how many 
car reports are we going to make tonight? Like it was just, it's always very tense. And I had a had of experience. What's that. a car report? So a child abuse report yep. line. So yep. um, there's there's risks of we put measures in place to help kind of uh, put sharing in its appropriate context. But I just remember I was so weary and stressed. And then then there was this kind of invitation to respond. And I um, I was standing at the back and I got to just see from it was on the top level of the gym, so I could kind of see down above where everyone was. And uh, and th- that year. And obviously the spirit was working through these trials and maybe there's spiritual attack there and whatnot. But it, God just broke through and so many people responded that year. Mm. It's 2019, mm. I think, 2018. And um, I was just had this flood of like emo- I'm not a very emotional guy, um, but just to see that like all that hard work and to see people respond in such a powerful way, I, I thought that oh, this is this is what I want to be doing with my life. Mm. Um, and I had a sense of, uh, um, and you know, God calls each of us to to be to follow Him and to to be used by Him for His glory, and and He works through us. And uh, but I did have a sense of that He may be calling me for, um, you know, specific kind of leadership and roles and and and. Uh, and a particular ministry, and so I, um, it was those kind of times that really sparked my heart for I want to I want to see this in churches, particularly that we would be living this, that we would be filled by the Spirit, that we'd be hungry, that we'd be, um, that we put the things that need to be at the front, at the front, like the main things about um, about the gospel and God's kingdom breaking out, and I think. Um, yeah, I mean, church is hard and there's so many things that can kind of distract us and, and we're very caught up. I am very caught up with the idols of the world and, and my heart and mm, et cetera. Mm. But, yeah, certainly I'm grateful for experiences like Cam and being able to be, you know, it's just a snapshot. It's one week uh, of a year that we get to do this. and um, But I had this sense of uh, this is what this is what i got to be doing with my life and um, I want to be a part of and... I feel I feel gifted. I mean, I feel like God has gifted me to to serve in this way with different convictions, and um, so yeah, that's that's a bit of context of. I think that was trying to answer your question of yeah. what, what God's been stirring, and uh, yeah. So you've talked about how God has stirred you, and I think you referred to conditions under which God seems to stir people corporately. So there's this realness to the gospel. Mm. There's an authenticity amongst people. Someone seems to need to go forward first, though. Yeah. There seems to need to be a boldness. You said um, when there was that time of repentance yeah. when all the young men got together. Yeah, yeah. And it was when your brother and your best mm. friend went forward yeah. and you were like, hang on a second, this is yeah. real. Yeah. And we do see that when... Particularly during the Billy Graham era, mm. people were called to the front, mm. and then when you saw someone you knew go to the front, you're like, "Hang on a second, this is real." Mm. So there is something to that. I, I don't think we should utter, like outright dismiss the call to the front thing. I think it's overcooked though. Yeah, sometimes, like yeah. it becomes the thing in, in and of itself, yeah. Yeah. and not necessarily real because God can save people anywhere. And yeah. Like you can. There's, there's no you must come to the front. You could go to the back. Yeah, <laughs> you could stay in your seat. God, like God, is the one who saves us. Well, it was like that that, um, that guy that I was talking about who just in this small group, just as a, yeah. a, around, a, you know, like hey, let's just pray, and they they had this moment of su- surrender. Yeah, 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 exactly. That wasn't any hype. No, yeah, yeah. And I I, th- I think there is a there's a beauty to that because you can go after the method rather than yeah. actually seeing God Himself work mm. in power. Mm. However. That sense of God almost going viral, yeah, catching one person on fire after the other. I mean, that's the essence of renewal and revival, mm. isn't it? Mm. And when this happens in a much broader sense, because we, we get snapshots of it in camps. And I mean, I've been a part of camps where I've just been so moved by the spirit. Mm. But they, unfortunately, they talk about the camp high and then yeah. the camp low. Yeah. So you kind of you're back into the same things you're in before, yeah. like a week later. And so renewal and revival is something more, isn't it? It's actually a permanent change. You talked about that guy that the couple of guys that started mm. coming to church, yeah, yeah. And then four years later, yeah, l- like he's actually leading other people to Christ. Yeah. 
that's that's really what we're talking about. We're not mm. talking about emotional highs yep. when people are, you know, filled with people who like them and loud music. Mm. We're talking about people are really filled mm. Mm. filled with the spirit. And to me that's a that's a key um, idea. And I've spoken about being filled with the spirit before. Mm. Love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm being filled with the spirit. Um, I, I certainly and, and you've affirmed this, I've been listening, uh, that when we uh, put our faith in Jesus and you know receive justification, there's a sense that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, that He's poured out His love, like I said, into our hearts yeah, by the Spirit. It's an event. It's a it's a yeah, one off. Yeah, and it's yeah. this, uh, Ephesians talk again about a seal. So that's a, it's a stamp, you know. Uh, and uh, you know, Romans eight that the spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Mm. And so there's a sense of um, we have the Spirit. Um, I mean, that's the gospel, isn't it? That the presence of God would would be in us. Mm. Um, but I also say feeling of the Spirit, like we we're talking about before. That there's, you know, Jesus said to pray for, to be asked, uh, ask for the Spirit. There's a sense that we we have the Spirit, but we ask for the Spirit. And yeah, that uh, parable. Well, it's not really. I don't know if it's a parable, but um, Luke el- yes, 11? eleven. Yeah, Luke eleven. You know, if, yeah. if you're um, father, yeah, yeah. If, if you ask your father for a, you know, a fish, he won't give you a, mm. a scorpion. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I got that right. Well, ask for bread would give you a stone. Stone. Ask for fish would give a scorpion. Yeah, scorpion. How much more your heavenly father give good gifts to those who? Is ask there an, him. Is there an says, egg in there? I don't think there's an egg. I feel like there's an egg. <laughs> this is this is this is t- this is tangential. Let's work this out. Come on. Um, my bet is no egg. There's definitely an egg. There is? The egg and the scorpion. Oh, it's, it's an the egg. fish and the serpent. I knew oh, it was the fish and the serpent. I beg your pardon. I stand corrected. Someone needs to do a study on eggs in the Bible so <laughs> often that comes up. But this is talking about the spirit, right? This text is talking yeah, about yeah, the, spirit. For the spirit. Prayer and the spirit yeah. connected. Yep, yep. So I, I do see a sense that we ask to be filled with the spirit and... Uh, the Spirit certainly, so being filled with the Spirit, uh, like we talked about before, I, I do think there's a sense of as we ask God, He gives us a spirit of wisdom, revelation, that this kind of, like we were talking about, a flood of realisation that God, you know, we are your child, you love us. That, yeah, and we come to this, that there's yeah. re- renewal. Um, I, think, I think it's worth looking at how the Spirit, say through John, as Jesus promises, would give us the words to speak. Um, and so, you know, I've had experiences where I, I don't know what I'm going to say and just relying on God to to give us the words and that's the promise that, that he would. Um, what do you think about spiritual gifts? Because it's a sense in which spiritual gifts are an outworking, mm. as in, except one, which the Bible says is speaking in tongues. It says you build yourself up through speaking in mm. tongues. And my dad always used to say, and I... I'm not sure if I agree with this, but it's an interesting thought. He he seemed to think that tongues was a bit of a gateway gift. Yeah, right. So the way that he put it, and he was like a you know crazy charismatic, um, in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> but the way that he put it was that um, speaking in tongues. Now, of course, it's it's very clear, and I've, I've mentioned this before uh, that. There's no requirement to be filled with. Uh, mm. Sorry, there's no requirement to speak in tongues, and it's, it's not necessarily a mark of being filled with the Spirit. Mm. It is at some points, but not at others. Mm. And he used to talk about it as, as a bit of a gateway gift that it sort of opens you up to, I think what we're talking about, a sense of realness and authenticity mm. that um, you're actually humbling yourself before God and so you're getting real with him. Now, that can happen in many and varied ways. Yeah. But what do you think about that, not just outworking but inworking? Mm. Of how you become filled. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? What's my thoughts on becoming filled with becoming the becoming filled with the spirit? So, so the infilling. Yeah, because yeah. there's an there's an outwork which is you know faith and God doing great yeah, things. Yeah. But if, you know, if you're listening to a podcast and thinking, I want to be filled with the spirit. Yeah. I want to see dramatic things happen in my life. Mm-hmm. I want to see God move in reality, but I know that I'm, I have a sense of holy discontentment. We've talked about, you and I before, about mm. holy discontentment. Things aren't as they should be, mm-hmm. but I want them to change. Where do we start? Yeah, yeah. And do I need to speak in tongues? Yeah. I, I would say, no, I don't think the scriptures 
point towards the need to speak in tongues. But it does show uh, uh, just how central and, and to how almost like breathing it is to the Christian faith must be our prayer, that we must go to the Lord. Um, but there's prayer and then there's prayer, right? Well, that's what I like. I think it's Don Carson in his book, um, Praying with Paul, talks about pray until you pray. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, what does that mean? I think so, this has been helpful for me because sometimes you're praying and you feel like you're just talking to, into the air and you, mm-hmm. you, you're uh, – is it Paul Miller talks in his prayer book about like you're looking at the windscreen and not through the windscreen and so you're just, you, you're just looking at the words you're saying and thinking about that rather than dwelling and, and calling out, crying out to the Father and that's – You know when that happens, like yeah, when you're praying with other it people. It clicks, doesn't it? But and someone starts it. It's yeah, that yeah, same yeah. thing. There, there almost needs to be someone that, yeah. that God sparks with flame and mm, they take us to their mm. faith and other people catch it. Yeah, and I think we give up way too early. Or we um, – and, and I, I want to say that I'm not some expert or, uh, you know, um, I want to be. Uh, you know, I want to be that praying person. But what I'm saying here is not then – as in I, I want to be – humble about this but what i'm saying is i think a lot of our meetings we can kind of token finish with prayer or prayer is uh um isn't the ministry whereas we get this sense of you look at the early church and the role of you know the pastors in chapter six you know what was their ministry the ministry was prayer prayer and the preaching of the word and and i think remember reading on twitter someone posted like what what should be the most important things that you know our pastors prioritize or I think it was church, you know, what are the things like, you know, vision or Bible teaching or what, what was it? And just nowhere to be seen was prayer. Like where, where, where is, and uh, yeah, where is the hunger and the, I mean, you talked about that holy discontentment and the contending before God and asking him to work. Mm. Um, and there's the sense of uh, not satisfied with the way things are. And in a good way, like I think, you know, there's a sense of we are content and we yeah. should be, but there's yeah. a sense as we look out that it, it, it's not okay that yeah. people don't know the Lord. It's not okay that the church, you know, is, is stagnant or we're not um, experiencing, you know, the feeling of the spirit. Yeah. And so um, where does it start? Where does feeling with the spirit start? It's got to be prayer and it's got to be, I think, persistent prayer and it's got to be... Importunate prayer. Importunate prayer. I love that word. Yeah. I love that word. <laughs> when if we see... Speaking in tongues as prayer, which essentially it must be, mm. because you're conversing with God. Yeah, yeah, that's prayer, right? But yeah. by, by very definition, you may not know what you're saying, yeah. mind yeah. you. But but that is prayer. Then mm. it doesn't matter whether it's a funky language or whether it's whatever mm. your mm. your mother tongue is. Yeah, well, I think it, it's it's weird. It's real. Yeah, the posture before the Lord. Yes, we just yes, we just laying ourselves down. Mm. Um, just totally surrendered to him, and tot- and that's again talking about praying until you pray. Because sometimes it, we don't often give space or time to it. Um, I remember uh, I was at a prayer meeting a few years ago, and a guy got up to ask God's forgiveness in prayer for a grudge that he held against someone for like twenty years, mm. and it was just like it sort of broke open the meeting. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really powerful. I was like, wow, God mm. is doing something here. Because mm. it, was, it wasn't like a small thing. Mm. And he confessed it bef- before everyone. Yeah. And you just know that God is, is really present there. Mm. But that's what we need to like, hunger and thirst after almost, mm. isn't it? Mm. Like a, a genuine connection with God, it's almost like the conduit is open now. Yeah, yeah. Because prayer is, it's us conversing with God, but it's its almost he's filling us back up at the same time. Mm. Like it's going both ways. Yeah. I We talked about this before, but I loved reading through and praying through Habakkuk. Because mm, uh, mm. he, he's in a situation where he's looking out and he's just injustice and he's... Uh, just totally broken over, and he, he and he's crying out to God, "Why?" You know, 
particularly on who God is and who God's pro- what God had promised for his people. Yeah. And he's just crying as crying out. And But then it comes to a moment where he talks about he has to wait and he's sitting on the ramparts. He's waiting for the Lord, waiting for the Lord. Has a vision then of, of God's judgment on the wickedness and he has this broken, you know, conviction over sin. We talked about that. Mm. Mm. And then uh, chapter 3, this then prayer, do it again, Lord. Mm. This is contending. Mm. God, I've seen you work in the past. In your wrath, remember mercy. Do it again. Mm. And that's why I've been really inspired by pastors like John Tyson and, and Mark Sayers. You know, they're reflecting on that quote, you know, John Wesley, mm. you know, his, his, uh, the grooves where he's been praying on his knees in his upper room, just praying, God, do it again. And mm. I'm not there yet. And we talked about, yeah, this is what we want to be. And uh, will we do it? Will we be people? Will we be pastors? Will we you know, be churches that pray and that call out to God? Because um, that's something that anyone can do. Yeah. And oddly, it's often that the starting work of revival is something that happens when just ordinary people get on their knees mm. before God. Mm. I, uh, there's a... So in the 1950s, right, so it's just after World War II, mm. there's a revival in the Hebrides which are like these islands yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, north of Scotland. It's just, I mean, it's like cold. I don't know. I, th- mm. That sounds bad. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, you can imagine north of Scotland must be cold. And apparently um, there were three people that used to, like, I think there were three old ladies. Yeah, right. And shout out to the old ladies yeah. who got down on their knees to pray for revival in mm. their city. Mm. Like late into the night, yeah, just like and they just and they committed to do it like every night, mm, mm. and then a couple of people, a couple other people came, and they said there was one guy that, um, so, so so they began. They're just ordinary people, and and you know like for all intensive purposes in the twilight years of their life, and then one guy came along uh, to be a part of the prayer meeting, and they said he prayed. In such a unique way, like with the sense of importunity that we, mm. we're talking mm. about, he said, "God, your like your word says you will that none would perish, yeah, but that all would come to a knowledge of the truth." Mm. So he called out to God on the basis of his word and his promises, and in the name of Jesus, mm. and he said, "Show us, mm. show us, God, that you are real, that you do will that people will be saved." And they said something happened there that just broke broke out in amongst all of these, um, like the people on these these islands. So these are people who are, I guess, religious but not Christian. Yeah, yeah. You know, so a lot of them had grown up in church but had really don't didn't mm. care. Mm. And they said there were people who were just repenting after they'd been working out in the field, just getting on their knees because they were overwhelmed mm. by the presence and the power of God mm. and repenting on their knees. They said there was this um, uh, this guy called R.T. Kendall who, who uh, write, writes a bit about this uh, and another guy, I can't remember his name, it's Campbell Murray, who writes a book on the revival in the Hebrides. And said there was just more and more people who were stirred uh, to work. There were these prayer meetings that went into the night all the time. And oddly, one of the strange things about this revival is that there was no like miracles of healing to be recorded and no sort of strange events other than just heaps of people getting converted and coming under conviction of sin yeah. and, and their moral their lives being mm. becoming um, moral in God's sight. Mm. But it started through this contending prayer yeah, yeah. and this hu- this hu- humility but boldness, like both mm. together. Mm. It's this odd mix. Mm. And I saw that and I was like, well, this happened in 1950. I mean, most of the... Most of the you know, revivals we think happened a, a long, long time ago, but this mm. this is, you know, for some people it's living memory. Yeah. Yeah. But it starts with anyone. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and those uh, women who God used in their twilight years will stand before Jesus mm. and he will say to them, well done, good and yeah. faithful servant, yeah. you called out to me. Yeah. And I came. Amen. Mm. Why don't we pray? It's just crazy, and I think, bro, I'm, I want to. <laughs> honestly, I think we're just we're tired. Yeah, because 
I mean, we both got young kids. Yeah. <laughs> you get to like seven o'clock. Yeah. And you're like, man, I just want to go to bed. <laughs> but, but in the middle of the day, I'm like, I just want to pray all night for revival. Yeah. I feel like we're so confident in our systems and programs. Yeah, we need to get desperate. I was hoping that this pandemic would make us far yeah. more desperate. Yeah. And, and you know, and this, but we found the solution. You know, oh, we, we, we did it. We it, went online. It kills just, me. Yeah, because on the one hand, we we, we found the solution. You know, through lockdowns and vaccines, but we're just onto the next crisis. Yeah, we, and we just had to keep had to keep it up. You know, we had to keep it going, rather than being. But okay maybe, but maybe this proves the point that it's it's actually. It's not even just these environmental conditions because these will always be with us, right? Mm, mm. There'll always be signs of the end mm. that Christ is returning. Every yeah. generation has it. Yeah. I mean, Matthew 24 and 25 are really clear about that. Mm. There'll be wars and rumours of wars, but it is not the end. It says, do not be alarmed. I actually preached on that uh, last year. <laughs> um, I said, it says, don't be alarmed. I said, so don't be alarmed. It's going to keep happening. Yeah. This is birth pains, right? They come yeah, in waves. Yeah. But what will be the thing... Uh, that actually God uses. I mean, oddly, perhaps it is that that quiet voice. You know, I mean, I mean, think of Elijah, the, the picture of where God didn't come in the earthquake. Mm. He didn't come in the the, the wind that, that mm. battered everything. Mm. It was the still quiet voice. Maybe mm. it's the still quiet mm. voice in a prayer meeting or just a few. I mean, not even have to be an official meeting. Yeah. But people just genuinely coming before the yeah. Lord. Yeah. And humbling themselves before him to pray. Yeah. And to, and to genuinely seek after yeah. and that it would catch fire. Mate, can I tell you about, I want to boast in what God is doing. Come on. In some of the young guys and girls um, where I am. And I can only say this with pride because I'm actually, I'm stepping out. And so it's what God is doing. Like, and I want to get to your stepping out and what that means. Yeah, sure. A bit. But I remember I um, was preaching on uh, Matthew chapter end of chapter 9, where Jesus says, you know, ask then of the harvest. Mm. And I remember it was one of those weeks where I hadn't had much time to prepare and I just had a couple of hours on this sermon but had this real sense of it's it's got to be about prayer. And you see Jesus preaching the good news of the kingdom. It's because we believe in the good news of the kingdom that we pray and we can pray. Mm. And then you see as he looks out on the crowds, he has compassion on mm. them like sheep without mm. a shepherd. We, mm. we pray because we care. Yeah. We care that people are far from God. Then yeah. he says we we, we pray because we see the need. He's like, ask that the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. So we pray because we see the need for the harvest. And then it, he says, uh, ask of his harvest, for the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Um, talks about the, the Lord of the harvest. And so it's his harvest field, therefore we pray. So it's, it's not us, but we... And so I just remember preaching just a simple four-point message. Didn't know, like, that was my last message for a season. Mm. That, that was my, I think it was a fitting kind of parting word. Hey, be a people, be a community that prays. And yeah. uh, I remember we went out, had a barbecue afterwards and I come back in to lock up uh, and uh, there's these three young guys just in a circle just praying. Mm. And, uh, and I just thought that that is going to be the future about. of this church. Yes. Is people who, you know, it, it wasn't. They take it seriously. Exactly. They believe it and Man. they're not caught up in, and, you know, uh, We've been through some interesting kind of identity um, kind of wrestles as a church and uh, what we stand for and things. But uh, just it, it was so beautiful to see these guys just transcend all that and just hey, they're hungry to see God break out. Amen. And so I'm just so proud and I'm excited to see what God is going to do in these guys because mm. I think back when I was 18, and I'm, I know I was a fiery guy back then, but um, I just feel like these guys have a maturity that the Spirit's doing something in the next generation and you want to keep the fire going like you you kind of want to sharpen it but you don't you don't want to lose the fire yeah yeah i mean that's a yeah like god forbid that we would Mm, would lose mm. the fire you know i was just thinking as i was talking about um like what you said why don't we yeah and it was that same thing that you described as there's a barrier when you were at that meeting and got and someone said, "Hey, we need to repent here," mm. and you weren't ready yet, but someone had to get up and do it. Yeah, yeah. I think 
man, man, this is Satan, this is the flesh, this is the world. There's always going to be a barrier. Mm. We maybe we just need to accept that there's a barrier. Hey, like you're gonna, you're a parent with young kids. There's going to be a barrier. You're in your late teens, early twenties. There's going to be something else to do. There's mm. going to be, you know, a new Netflix series to mm. watch, which sucks up all yeah. of your time. Like whatever. Yeah. There's always going to be something. I mean, that's kind of stereotypes, but yeah. there's always going to be something better mm. to do. Mm. That the flesh and the enemy mm. dearly want is because man, he just doesn't want his people praying. Mm. Mm. But if if God would just stir a few to actually genuinely do it, mm. man, I feel like God is going to break out revival. Yes, yes. I mean, that's what His Word says, and yeah. this and this is when it happens. Yeah, I think of Aldersgate Street with the Moravians. Yeah, yeah. Right and. Wesley and Whitfield, the Wesley brothers and Whitfield, yeah. they were all there at a meeting where they were like, no, we're going to contend. Yes, yes. And, man, the Great Awakening breaks out yeah. and, and half of you know, England gets mm. converted mm. and, and um, Great Britain. In a context where their institutions were saying, hey, what was the enthusiasm? That was the, that was the indictment on them. Hey, well, you're being too enthusiastic. Not, not only that, you need a licence to preach. Mm. And so their way of just... Being filled with the Holy Ghost yeah. and just trusting God was well. Mm. If you think we need a license to preach, we're going to preach outside. You don't need a license yeah. there. Yeah. And they talk about Whitfield. He went to some mining town, and and which was just and people were not in a good way because mm. mines back then, like mm. you died in the mines. Yeah, yeah. So you got the black lung and everything. Mm. And and this was like just after Aldersgate uh, Street. And he went out to preach there and he just, just started preaching to the miners. And mm. the first day they were 50 and by the end of the week there was 5,000 people. Mm. Mm. 5,000. And this had never happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure like Jesus preached to the crowds, but mm. this, this hadn't happened in, in, uh, in memory in, in England before. Mm. And it was the unlikeliest people. Yeah. And yet it was at this prayer meeting. Yeah. Bro... You know, I feel this conviction mm. and almost a conviction of sin, actually. We've mm. said yes to the barriers. Mm. Like, honestly, yeah. have we not? Yeah. How often have we said well, we've felt a stirring at, at particular times and yet when the time comes to step up and pray, mm. something else takes precedence. Mm. When will someone step out? Mm. Mm. All right. I always think, you know, oh, that'll be me when I have responsibility or, you know, when I'll do that no. when I'm mature. It's like now's the time. <laughs> yeah. Isn't there a parable about that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like didn't – no, these were the people that said, Jesus, I'll follow you, but first I've got to, yeah. Yeah. you know, I've got to bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. <laughs> um, and you know, that sounds strong, yeah. doesn't it? Mm. You know, and, and even like, you know, when my dad died a couple of years ago, you, know, you feel that sense of like there's there's a high pressure there to to do things, mm. have something important. And Jesus wasn't saying don't honor your parents. Jesus is very clear. You know that mm. we need to obey that commandment, mm. honor mm. father and mother. But he's saying there will always be a distraction. Mm. There'll always be a business to go, to go to, or you know a, a relationship thing. You know, there'll always be mm. something yeah. else yeah. rather than him. Mm. And that's a sin. Just mm. straight up, it's a sin, and it's yeah. a sin that I keep committing. Yeah. Because, you know, we're even talking about this stuff and I, I'm feeling a conviction even now mm. that I've said yes to other things, mm. Mm. which is saying no to God. Yeah. Because if we know this to be true, then we, then we have mm. a compelling call to act upon it. Yeah. And, like, I think this is you saying the other week, like, God wants to, like, he... Yeah. And does. the spirit is so much more interested in revival than we are. Mm. And we, yeah, we, we forget that, like, we, we feel hesitant to come to pray because, you know, we can try and convince God that renewal is a good thing. It's like, no, he wants it. <laughs> he wants it and he wants to use and it. And even the fact we're thinking about it is of him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we finish, and, yeah, I am, I am feeling that conviction. Before we finish... God is doing something in your life mm. now. 
Can you speak about where you're heading and why? Yeah, so I'm stepping out of a season of ministry and growth. I sort of was a bit of a rookie draft pick coming into ministry. I was called and uh, it's been a great season of growth and I've probably been given a lot of more responsibility over the last couple of years probably than I'm, I guess that it, it has surfaced in me that, hey, I want to be really well trained and formed for yes. this. Yeah. And so, and our church is going through some, uh, it's just, you know, going through some transitions. This was preceding all this, but it kind of has um, been clear what the Spirit's doing that it's time to step out. And mm. um, so we're uh, going to be actually quite a big move. Uh, my family and myself, we're moving to uh, Massachusetts uh, in the United States. Where is Massachusetts? Yeah, so it's on the East Coast. Um, you, a lot of people probably know know boston uh, we're just north of boston and boston is north of new york yes yeah okay. so uh to do bible college so we uh been encouraged by oh, that's, a, that's a cold place that just yeah. sounds cold I, I, yeah I, I like the heat cold. i like the yeah, heat yeah. i like the hebrides is cold <laughs> it's cold in boston but that the fire of the gospel amen come on bro amen so we um yeah i was had this stirring of a, a an opportunity to be formed and equipped yeah. well for ministry to teach mm. god's word mm. well and I think outside of our context, there was opportunity as well and support from uh, from home and our leaders to hey have a real crack, and um, they saw potential in me to be stretched and, and formed in a way that will serve uh, ministry. I mean, wherever we go, we we do feel a calling to Adelaide, and um, this is home for us, and we have a heart and a burden to see people come to know Jesus. And the churches here, we've Amen. been connected across different networks. Yeah, yeah, we need it here. Yeah, um, but. An opportunity. So we we applied for a college there, um, Gordon Conwell, um, and it was accepted. And have started doing some study online. And so we'll be, we'll go do a year in person. Awesome. Um, and a real hunger to be. I think the big thing for me is formation. Yeah. And a chance to step out of the room. And lots of voices speaking at me at the moment and around me in different places. Just to just to step aside, and to um, discern the Lord's call on my life and and just to be sharpened in my gifts and convictions. Um, so to do to do that literally on the other side of the world, I think will be really good for us. And mm. um, so while we're doing it, man, we I want to be equipped well to teach the Bible, so that you know we could reach people who don't know Him and and equip His body to live out her identity. Like the church would be what she's called to be. And um, you know our communities they need good Bible teaching. We've seen where um, bad Bible teaching can cause abuse and um, oh, keep, and, and keeps happening. Yeah, it's yeah. like like one church after another. Yeah. but it, but it's 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 a deeper heart thing, isn't it? Yeah, because it's almost like you can pr- preach the right things, but just be a little bit off. Yeah, yeah, and and that trajectory yeah. go, takes you to bad places. And that's where I see as well the benefit. Gordon Conwell has a lot of international students and a lot of diversity of denominations, and and it's an evangelical college. But I think having and brushing shoulders with different perspectives and cultures and backgrounds and churches will be so formative for me to you know how I read and well, iron sharpens iron, right? Because right. they're hard. Yeah, yeah, literally. And so you can't. You, you actually can only produce something sharp if it goes up against something abrasive. Yeah. Yeah, if, if 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 you're in a an echo chamber, mm, mm. Y- you totally like you're only going to reach people who are exactly like you. Exactly, exactly, and that's useless. Yeah, and so and we need the global church to help and inform our interpretations. And I think uh, there's a lot of great ministry coming out of uh, different cultures and, and ways of uh, of interpreting the scriptures. That's so important. So th- I think those global perspectives and friendships and experiences and yeah. knowledge. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we want to be involved in church planning and renewal, what we've been talking about. And so there's, there'll be the training at Gordon Conwell, but also exposure to ministry contexts. And so we want to come back with passions and skills and stories and strategies to be better positioned to to lead and plant churches and bless the city. Why does ren- renewal lead to church planting in your mind? Well, for me, the power is not in our people or our systems, but in the spirit of God through the word of God. Amen. And so uh, it's not about building something really big in one place under one, you know, central leader who has the, uh, the authority over... Bro, and it know. doesn't work. I mean, we've seen, yeah, exactly. we've seen the rise and fall exactly. of megachurch pastors in, in the past 10 years and it's terrible exactly. and it keeps happening. Why? Yeah. Because God is bringing them down. Yeah, yeah. But God's power is he works through his people and that, you know, and 
different people with different gifts yes, and, and, yes. and uh, but through the word of God. And so as, as God reaches communities and, and missional communities, I think where, where church planning is effective is that for that very reason is that we see the power in God's word in, in communities and so in local embedded communities trying to reach around them. And, and so it's about the kingdom going out, not just about building up our kingdom here. Um, and so, yeah, I, th- I think there's... And, th- and that takes great thoughtfulness and that's why I think it's good having church planning networks where there's the sense of like you're saying iron sharpening iron where we mm. we encourage one another we support each other that um, so I do see a picture in the scriptures of, of independence of churches that um, are around you know plural, plurality of eldership and uh, etc but um, that we're not islands too but there's a there's a, a, a city vision and a and a a gospel city vision where we're encouraging and, and are championing the ministry of God's word through different people in different places. Yes, because if it's just about us and our tribe, uh, we can very easily just become filled with pride. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's actually, that says it's about us and not about God. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course, we, we, I mean, you need to have things that unite you, but it must be the right things. Mm, mm. Some things are unclear in scripture, and some yeah. things are like abundantly clear. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm. You know, it's interesting you talked about different people. I was, um, I was listening to a sermon uh, in the last week. Talked about a guy called Billy Bray, who's like a, a like a Cornish um, uh, preacher. Yeah, and he was he was a pretty rough guy. Like, you know, when he got converted, and he sort of he stayed a bit rough, but yeah. he used to he used to like. Um, people used to think he was nuts because he went around shouting things like "Glory, Hallelujah!" <laughs> and of course, it was Cornish. I didn't use that um, yeah. <laughs> that accent, but but God used him, mm. and to, and it, God used him to, like tremendously mm. Mm. in in that era. This is um, sort of late, uh, I'm sorry, early 1800s. Mm. So early mm. uh, 19th century, God used him tremendously. Mm. But he was just, he was a bit of a wild man. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, we've got to, we've got to lose our, the wrong preconceptions. Because mm, mm. God is God and we're not. Amen. Amen. So you're going to the, you're going to, the, um, to study. Mm-hmm. Uh, God willing, he'll equip you, mm. form you for the next season of ministry. Mm. What's your hope? That God would use you for, if you if you're going to stand, which you will, mm. stand before Jesus on the last mm. day. Mm. Yeah, what what would you hope that He would have used you for? Uh, I really want to be more like Jesus and be a person who, um, like that's that's where we draw our power from is because we we're pressing in and abiding in the vine and cl- growing closer to Him, and mm. so. I want, I want to see the church healthy uh, and flourishing, not because of, you know, the systems that we've worked out, but because we're pressing in close to God. Mm. And so I, I don't, I don't, I want to not be people's saviour. <laughs> I don't want to come in with this. I'm, I'm great, and I've worked it all out. I've had this training. Let's go. Um, but I want people to come and know Jesus and love him and walk with him. And and so my hope is that I will be faithful to God's calling, um, that we'll see more and more churches renewed and birthed in our city uh, that love the word, uh, that are prayerful, like we've been saying, that hungry God, do it again, people mm. getting saved. Mm, mm. Um, but that we're not relying on our our metrics and our, you know, systems, but that there's a real sense of hospitality. You've heard me speak on this before, but yeah, that there's yeah. we're in one another's lives. We're going out, we're, we're eating and drinking with people that are far from God, that, mm. you know, we might mm. share the hope that we have, that, yeah, living this out, not just talking about it. So that's that's my hope is to, to be part of gospel renewal movements in Adelaide and beyond. Um, and so, yeah, like your question, if I was to stand before Jesus, that I think it, I hope it's a moment of just because I have been abiding in him. It's not like, oh, 
we come back to a long lost friend. Oh Jesus, where have you been? I, Ollie, where have you been? He says, No, well, I've mm. been I've been abiding and close to him. So when I mm. see him in, in mm. glory, it, it'll we, we wouldn't have skipped a beat. I mean, I'll see him face to face. Of course, that's going to be glorious. Yeah, that's um, no, that, but I, Jesus hasn't left yes. hasn't left the room. Yes, that's um, right. I don't mean that to correct you. I'm just as I'm reflecting. That's no, the no. I want to abide. I agree. Abide in the vine, and He would bear the fruit. Um, and I'm not there yet, and obviously we'll never reach it. But there's a sense of that's what I want to press in towards mm. is uh, is to be close to Him. And I've seen that in my own ministry. And I look back, and I've I'm a, been a rookie, and I've been given lots of opportunities and responsibilities in my ministry context. But the different people I've spoken to, the most, the thing I hold with great with great pride, and, and not in the sense of arrogance, but just hey, this is what I look back and and have joy in is where people say that they've grown closer to Jesus and that they've appreciated me as a pastor, not because of the great programs I've run or my preaching or whatever, but just that I was kind and authentic and love, loving and caring mm-hmm. and like Jesus, you know, not domineering, not, mm-hmm. not um, anything. And, and that's, that's, that's what I want to be and continue to be is, is sincere, is to see people's gifts, not to have a spirit of fear or control or um, anger, but faith and love and, um, you know, wrestle humbly with the word and answer questions, but this with this sense of, uh, yeah, faith, like God, God can do it and he's great and he's wonderful and I want people to catch that. Hmm. Yeah. Catch the fire. Come on. Thank you, my brother. It's been really good to mm. spend this time together and I... I do pray and seek that God would do a great work in your life mm. and more broadly. I mean, isn't that a great hope that mm. this, this would be the time? Yes. You know, we want we want it. I guess God would say, do you really want it? Yeah. Thank you for being a part of Renewal, the podcast. It's been so good to have our guest, Ollie, on this week. If you want to connect more, please uh, send us an email, uh, comment. Please rate and review the podcast or whenever you get your podcast from. It helps more people uh, hear about what God is doing through Renewal. And we will see you.